Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. And today, for the World Junior Special, we've brought in a guest. Uh, please uh, give a warm welcome to Ben Kerr. He is the COO at Last Word on Sports. He seems like he does a little bit of everything there. Editor, writer, and my boss. Uh, ben, what's going on? Not too much, not too much. Just uh, watching a little hockey here. Yeah. Uh, so today we figured we would do a World Juniors preview with uh, the news slowing down a little bit in the NHL, and I know the tur- the tournament's a big one for us always and for lots of people, so we figured we'd run through the rosters, and uh, Ben's a big prospect guy, Chase and I not as much, but we know the big guys, which is most important, I would say, and uh, see where we think people are going to rank, and then some, some guys to look out for. Uh so without further ado, I guess we should start with, do you want to group 9 and 10 together? Just who's who do you think the worst from each division is going to be? I think this is a rather obvious one in both divisions. I think we've got uh, Denmark uh, in Pool A, and we've got uh, Kazakhstan in, in Pool B. I think that the, those two will be playing in the relegation uh, tournament. You know, it's tough for a team like Kazakhstan coming up uh, from with the team that won the tournament last year. Luckily, uh, they do have two strong players to watch in uh, Gatiatov, who was the forward of the tournament last year in, in Division 1A, and uh, Orikov, who's playing in, in the KHL this year and has six points uh, in, in the, the league this year. It's rare for teenage defensemen to do anything in the KHL. So they have a couple of players. And uh, and Denmark, uh, it, you'll be looking at Ronberg, who's a Vegas Golden Knights draft pick. Uh, but there's not a lot of depth on either squad. Yeah, I was looking through trying to find guys I wanted to look for on Denmark, and there's just nothing there. I like They've had some big years recently, too, and this is, does not look like one of them. No, and... Or relative to them, they've had big years. I guess the question is, do you think it'll just be a coin flip on who gets relegated, or do you think one team has the advantage here? I I think Denmark's going down this year. Um, I just think they've stayed up for a while now, uh, and the law of averages and just too many escapes from uh, relegation is eventually going to come back and, and get them at some point. And I do like, uh, even though I don't, Neither player is drafted in the NHL. I do think uh, that uh, the defenseman, uh, Orkov, is going to get drafted. And I like Gatchatov. Uh He's a talented player. If he wasn't five foot seven, I think he would have gotten drafted. Uh, but uh, that size becomes less of a concern at the world junior level. Yeah, that's those two guys and uh, Danny are Those are the three that I had... Uh looked at some people saying it's at least worth watching, and I, I would tend to agree. And there's nothing wrong with Denmark if they do end up getting relegated. They've had a good run of – they've been up a bunch in the past couple of years, and they can take another run at it in yeah, the future. Had but some all right teams recently. Yeah, that team that had um, Bjorkstrand and uh, Ehlers, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. Up with them, that was a, the strongest they've been. Yeah. And uh, – they, they even made it into, I think, the quarterfinals. Yeah, that, that was year. that was when they got stomped by Canada in the quarterfinals. But that was the first, I think, first World Junior game nationally televised for Denmark. So, yeah. I mean, just that alone is pretty good. Uh, let's move on. Who do you think, uh, we can go one at a time. Who do you think the, the fourth place team in Group A is going to be? In Group A, I believe that's going to be Switzerland. Um, they 
have had some strong teams in, in previous years. They're traditionally uh, a team that plays a tight defensive system, uh, and that can cause some problems. They've come up and, and caused some upsets in recent years. But, uh, but Pool A is uh, the strongest group for me. Uh, I've got three of my top four teams in this tournament in Group A, and so I just don't think that they're, they're going to be able to compete with Canada, Russia, and the Czechs. Um, so I, I think they'll finish in fourth. Yeah, I would definitely say that's fair, and I think that would be a very consensus uh, consensus pick if you asked a lot of people, which is fair. But as you as you mentioned, it seems like Switzerland every year pulls off one up- upset. Yeah, like do. I don't that might not be true. It just feels like in the in the group round every year they they beat someone they're expected to lose to. So they should, probably should have some good games. I think for guys to watch, I'm going to be looking at Egen- Eggenberger for sure. He fell last draft, right? Yeah, he. Yeah, he went. So he, did, he went undrafted, and yeah. I think I had him somewhere in my third round uh, of my ranking. He yeah. was supposed to go relatively high at the start of the year, was he not? Yeah, I believe he was a he was a top two round pick, and then I had downgraded him a bit by the by draft day, but uh, I didn't think he would fall completely out. Yeah, and he he's a guy that uh, last year I, I don't think he didn't have any points last year in five games, but. When you were watching him when he was on the ice, he was all over the place. Yeah. And he was one, I thought, he's one of uh, Switzerland's most notable guys out there. And I, I'm assuming he probably will be this year again as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, a player to watch for, for draft watchers will be uh, Valentin Neusbomber. Uh He potentially could go in the top two rounds uh, in the 2019 draft. And they have a, a few drafted players in uh, Tobias Geiser and Nico Gross on the blue line with the Capitals and the Rangers, and Philip Kurashev, who uh, plays in the QMJHL and was drafted by the Blackhawks. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's switch over to Group B then. Uh, who do you have fourth there? I feel like this is probably pretty a pretty consensus pick, but... Yeah, I think it's Slovakia there. Again, yeah. this is a pretty strong team for Slovakia. Um, so I feel like if somebody underestimates them, they can jump up and, and bite a team um, it, it, with a, with a, an upset, but I don't see them going very far in the tournament. I can't see them shrinking a bunch of those together. And uh, three Flames prospects on the team, uh, a sh- strong defenseman in uh, Bihervari from the Capitals, uh, and uh, Maxim Kachkovic who was the top pick in the CHL import draft this year and is another 2019 draft eligible. Yeah, for sure. They, they do seem like a team that uh, could provide a little bit of surprise. Uh, if you if you underrate them, as he said, they also got, uh, is it Eric Cernok? Is he he's still eligible? I think he's, I think he's a year too old. Yeah, okay, yeah, that sounds right. Never mind. It's weird with these tournaments, right? Because, you know, you, you feel like you're coming in, you might have a consensus of what you think it's going to be, and one game can throw it off, and it doesn't even always have to be Slovakia. It could be, say, Kazakhstan somehow upsets one of the teams, then suddenly Slovakia's ahead just from pure points of an overtime loss yeah. or something like that, right? But it'll always be interesting. I, I feel like this team's definitely a consensus fourth, but you got to be careful, with as you do in any game this tournament, right? Like, Yeah, this is short tournaments, especially the playoffs being single-game eliminations, uh, you just can't sit back at any point. Yeah, well, you see enough randomness in an 82-game NHL schedule, never mind a single-game elimination tournament. So, Let's get into the top three, then. Uh, do you want to start with... Let's keep... We'll go Group B again. If you think Group A is the better one, we'll stick with Group B. 
I guess we can just break down the top six. Six. Who do you have as the sixth best team in this tournament? Surprisingly, I have Sweden as the sixth best team in the tournament. That's a hot um, take. They, they haven't lost a group stage game in, in something ridiculous like 10 years. Or yeah, it's not 11 years. Yeah. Um, but I think that this is the year they will fall in a, in a group stage game. Uh, not a particularly strong group. Their blue line is is very strong, and that's despite not having uh, Rasmus Dahlin and uh, Timothy Liltrin, uh, who could have been probably their top two defenders if they were made eligible for this tournament. Uh, obviously, they never were getting uh, Dahlin, but, yeah. uh, it, unless it was an NHL lockout year type situation. Uh, but... Uh, the, the Swedes still have a strong blue line with players like Bockfist, uh, Eric Bronstrom, uh, Rasmus Sandin. Uh, they are going to be strong at the back end. It's up front where I just don't see it for Sweden this year. They did get a boost in getting uh, Isaac Lundstrom back from uh, the Anaheim Ducks. He's played, I believe, twelve ga- or 15 games for the Ducks this year, uh, as well as 12 games down in the AHL. And so they're getting a, a bit of a boost in, in getting a 2018 first-rounder. Uh, but overall, the, the strength of the Swedish team up front just isn't what it's been in previous years. Yeah, you know what? Now that you say that, I that's definitely fair. I it mean, rough up I, I know when their original camp got announced, I looked at the defense core and just went, oh my gosh, like that, that could be very, very good. And Obviously, I still think it is. And it is. It'll 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 be really solid. I mean, you got Sandine, Brandstrom, as he said, Boquist. You, losing Lilligan really does hurt. Um, yeah. Cause, and I think he, he was going to get loaned too, right? Like, they were letting him go. I don't see a reason why he wouldn't. But, yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting. I feel like, you know, on a team like this, like, if they can find a guy who, you know, maybe provide some goals. I mean, you got the defense core to at least be a threat, but... What do you think? Do you know much about their goalies, or do you think like would that be uh, something that could carry them through? Ole Erickson Eck has been a hyped prospect. Uh, he's in the duck system. Uh, he's played well uh, at the at the Swedish junior level, uh, but he had a really uh, tough time in international hockey so far. Um, he's never really put up great results uh, on the international stage, and so. That's the big question mark for Sweden coming in. He's got the talent to have a good tournament, uh, but for whatever reason, he's never really put it together wearing his country's uh, colors. So that will be uh, the big question for the Swedish team. If he does play well, uh, then they could possibly give give teams problems with the defense core in front of him and maybe winning some 2-1 games, 3-2 games, uh, putting some goals in on the power play. Uh, between Bockfist and, and Brandstrom, they should be able to generate a pretty good power play from the point. Yeah, definitely. Do you have any more to say, Chase? No, I'm excited to see Brandstrom. That's... Yeah, for sure. There, there's definitely some interesting names that I will be... Like, I, Sweden, for me, will still be a very watchable team, for sure. uh, especially because of that defense core. Uh, guys like Adam Boquist, I'm very excited Boquist to see. Too. I was really high on him last year, uh, just in general. Sandine's been good with the Marlies, yeah, too. Yeah, Sandine will be a good one. For all of those uh, Leaf fans watching, yeah. who do you who do you have as number five then? Number five, I have Finland in, in this pool as well. Um, they again not as as traditionally strong uh, as in previous years. They did get a boost. I was surprised that uh, Henry Yokoharu uh, was loaned out by the Blackhawks. I, I think part of it is the Blackhawks just have given up on on the season yeah. and know that this year is kind of 
lost to them. Yeah. Uh, because here's a guy who's playing 20 minutes on the Blackhawks blue line in the NHL, um, has put up, uh, I believe, 11 assists for the team already, uh, and has really strong possession numbers. Uh, he, granted, he's getting some, some easy matchups and offensive zone starts, uh, but he's still got a 5% relative Corsi. So to do that in the NHL at 19, you think he's going to come down uh, and dominate at the junior level and will probably be playing 30 minutes a night for uh, the Finns if they're to have any chance of, of making it to the semifinals, uh, especially in their quarterfinal game, whoever they draw at that point. You'll certainly want to see uh, Yokiharu uh, play 30 minutes in that one. Uh, but overall, the depth on the defense just isn't where, where it could be. Uh, up front, they've got uh, some players up there uh, especially down the middle with uh, Rasmus Kupari and Alexi uh, Heponiemi. And the interesting thing will be where they put Capocacco, uh, who, yeah. of course, could be the second overall pick. He's The, the knock in the Capocacco uh, Jack Hughes sweepstakes has always been take the center over the winger. Uh, but in recent weeks, we've seen Capocacco play a little bit more center uh, in the Finnish league. And so I don't know if they're going to put him at center in this tournament, uh, but that would be something that, that I've got my eye on. Yeah, he's definitely one I think anyone who is watching hockey should be keeping an eye on. For uh, sure. Because as you said, he will likely be, a, or he will be a top pick in this year's draft. It just depends where he goes. And right now it seems like consensus one and two is him and Hughes. And I know Kako's been knocking out of the park with a lot of advanced statistic models yeah. and when it tries to come to drafting, but uh, yeah. So do you think, uh, obviously every year people try to hype up the one versus two, even if there's an obvious choice, but do you think Capo Kako actually has a chance at going first? It, it depends on the team drafting. I personally would take Hughes. I think Hughes um, is a dynamic player, uh, but there are still teams who want a, a little bit more size uh, in their top line. And Capocacco certainly provides that uh, over Jack Hughes. And, and that's the big advantage um, that he has in, in this type of, uh, of a ranking. It's very similar to um, the Austin Matthews-Patrick Liney uh, conversation that, that was being had. Uh, of course, Austin Matthews is not small. Um, and he has the, the size that teams look for in their number one center as well. Uh, whereas Jack Hughes, that, that's really the only knock you can give on him. Uh, other than the fact he's he's a little shorter, he's an elite skater, elite vision, uh, has a good shot, can score, can stick handle, can do everything. So I would personally take Jack Hughes the way the NHL is trending right now. Uh, but there would be certain teams, I think, who, who would go um, with the size, uh, with the two players being so close. Yeah, for sure. I would definitely agree with that. I think I would probably go Hughes as well. Um, but, and again, things could change, like we still have months before the draft, but the one thing I can't stress enough for times like this is how important it is to not overhype prospects (laughs) because of a seven game sample size you watched at the World Juniors. Yeah. They can definitely show stuff in this tournament, but I mean, like, even last year, like you saw Zadina jumped from like 10th to 3rd on people's ranking list because he had a good World Juniors. Hell, even while the World Juniors were there, I saw people say, people saying he should go over Svechnikov just because Svechnikov didn't get to play much last year. And I I don't know, I just can't stress enough how important it is to remember that this is a 7-game sample, or 7 or 8-game sample size, and 
a lot of the games, like half the games are against teams of much lesser talent, like Kazakhstan, Denmark, even yeah. Slovakia. Well, same with, uh, did you hear Promnen on the full 60? No, I didn't. He talked about how basically teams who watched Elias Pedersen play in the juniors and other international tournaments were lower on him. And then teams that saw him play in his own league had him going like first overall yeah. on their boards. And that was the difference. And obviously the teams that had him going first overall were more right yeah. in the end. Yeah. I think the other thing that we have to remember about this tournament when we talk about draft prospects, Capocacco is two years younger than uh, Alexi Heponiemi. Uh, and Heponiemi was a second-round pick of the Florida Panthers. I think, obviously, uh, Capocacco projects to have the better NHL career. I mean, you can't know for certain at this point but because some players bust. Uh, but if you gave... 31 GMs, the, the opportunity of which prospect they would want in their system, they take, I think 31 out of 31 would take Capocacco. However, that doesn't mean he's a better player right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's 17, and Heponiemi's two years older. This is a 19-year-old's tournament. This isn't a 17-year-old's tournament. Uh, and we expect the 19-year-olds to be the best players on their team and, and to be the difference uh, between winning medals and, and not. So... Don't don't walk away too disappointed if he's being outperformed uh, by guys who, who are were previous second rounders and third rounders uh, in the NHL draft. Uh, you can't you can't get too down on a 17 year old because size size wise and muscle strength they just don't have the same development at this point. Yeah, and like again, like I go back to last year because I can't like with Svechnikov. It was he was playing more bottom six minutes because he was on a Russian team that's known for taking guys who are old as they can be, yeah. and so he obviously had limit, limited minutes, and he was coming off a broken hand, I believe. So it was a little bit of a different situation. But again, like you just gotta, as you said, like just because they will or very likely could be a very good player in the NHL doesn't mean that coaches will be using them like that now, and that makes sense. So you just gotta. Temper expectations go like and yeah. your reaction, right? Like, yeah, there's a reason age is so important in draft models. Yeah. Um, um, before we go off Finland, what's your opinion on Antoni Honka? I think he's going to be a later pick in the first round. Um, I've seen some hype him as a possible top ten defense. <laughs> I've seen him go like top five in mock drafts, so I was just wondering. Yeah, I don't, I don't quite see that. I mean, it's early. We've seen guys jump. I had, um, speaking of Finns, I had uh, Kakinyemi in the mid-teens at this point last year, and I had him up, uh, I can't remember if I had him four or five uh, heading into the draft, and obviously he went third overall. So it, it's one of those things where a, a second half has to be played, and and he could really jump, but I don't ha- quite have him there. Uh, one of the things about this year's draft is defensemen. It, last year was really strong on defense. Uh, this year, it's really strong up the middle and a little bit weaker on defense. So that could push him up a little bit. But uh, to me, he's, he's probably the third or fourth defenseman off the board. Yeah. Um, anything else on that? Okay, so who do you have as four then? Four, I have the Czechs. I think this is one of their stronger teams uh, in recent years. Uh, they have the goaltending in Jakub Skarek, uh, who was an Islanders pick. Uh, they have a really strong group of forwards with uh, a, a top line uh, that was excellent at last year's tournament. 
uh, and returns all three players. That's pretty rare to see the team a team come to two tournaments uh, with the same top line, especially one that that was strong uh, when they were a year younger. So put another year on Philip Zadina, Martin Tau, and uh, Martin Nikash, and they're going to have a strong tournament, I think. Uh, you've got some other strong players like Ostap Stappen, uh, giving them depth up front. Uh, and then you have uh, a number of defensemen who've been drafted, uh, such as Philip Kral, uh, Jacob Galvis, uh, Daniel Bukash, and uh, Radim Salda on their, their blue line. I think the, the Czechs have one of the deeper squads that they've brought. And this is a group uh, that has done well for the Czechs uh, at the under-18 level in, in recent years. Uh, they have been uh, growing in strength. They went through a bit of a down period from the early 2000s when they were on top of the hockey world uh, to recently about a, about a 15-year period where things didn't go so well in their development program. But the Czechs seem to have turned that around and we're seeing the results at the under-17 and under-18 level. And now that this group is, is reaching the under-20 level, I think that they're going to have a good tournament. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. The The depth is interesting, because I didn't actually look at that as a standout for me. I was going to say, do you think they have the depth to carry them, or do you think it's that top line has to do most of it for them? I think the top line is going to be their their most dangerous weapon, but I think that they can be uh, at least two lines deep uh, on this team, and, and their second line could cause some problems for teams as well. I think it's when you get beyond that, uh, where you get the Canada, USA, Russia group um, that can just throw almost, you know, four lines at you, and that's where they're not going to to have the success. But they are as talented at, at forward, uh, probably more talented at forward than the Swedes, who I talked about earlier, and, and the Finns, who who we talked about as well. Uh, it probably be a, a good contest between the, the Czechs and the Finns as to, to who's better at forward. Uh, but I do like the, the Czech goaltending and, and defense a little bit better. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think uh, one thing to keep your eye on, again, if you're just a, a casual fan or even you know someone who's just looking to watch, who to watch, as you said, that first line of the Czechs should just be so entertaining to watch. Looks like it might be the best line in the That's tournament. what I was about to say. They will definitely be up there for best line in the tournament. Uh they're just every player on that line is so dangerous, and as you said, they were great last year, and they have a whole other, a whole another year that they've been building and growing and getting stronger. And I'm very excited to see uh, see them play this year because that that that's the World Juniors. You do need depth, but at the same time, when it comes down to it, you can run one line out there for quite a while, and it, it can overpower teams. So yeah, especially like we said, one game elimination. Um, you're gonna play your top line twenty minutes. You're going to play your top defense in 30. Um, that's that's the way things are going to go. Now, a team like Canada last year, last year's Can- Canadian team, I think if you look at the results, uh, once about the five-minute mark of the second period came, uh, if they hadn't already taken over the game, the analytics just, just jumped at about the five-minute mark of the, the second period because they were rolling four lines, a three-defense pair, and they would just... Um, grind you into submission and, and just keep coming at you with wave after wave of speed. And that was uh, that was what we saw last year. But in, unless you're facing a team that can do that with four lines, you can really um, beat teams uh, who with one line if they, they don't have uh, four excellent lines the way Canada did last year and should again. 
Yeah, I don't have much more to say on that. Do you, Chase? Yeah, at the end of the day, hockey is a strong link game. Yeah, I would totally agree. Uh, All right, we've got into our top three now. So just to recap, we had Denmark 10, Kazakhstan 9, Switzerland and Slovakia were 8 and 7, Sweden 6, Finland 5, Czechs 4, correct? Yes. Perfect. Okay, so who do you have as number 3 then? I think the Russians have a strong team. I think uh, I'd expect them to medal. Uh, their forward group uh, is especially strong, uh, featuring players like Klim Kostin, uh, who's the St. Louis Blues draft pick, uh, Vitaly Kravtsov, who went uh, in the top 10 to the New York Rangers last year, uh, Holt Kozin, who's a really interesting player uh, coming out of the uh, uh, in the 2019 draft, what makes him so interesting is on pure talent, I think he's a top 10 pick. Uh, the big question here is that he is playing for Ska, or is part of their system, and they are one of the richer teams in the KHL, and there has been some suggestion that he may not want to come over to the NHL for an entry-level contract uh, when he can make more in the, the KHL. And it could be a few years before a team sees him if they draft him. And so um, that's kind of an interesting situation to watch. But he's definitely a player. Um, As well, uh, Kovanov, Denisenko, uh, Cechtovic, they have a strong lineup uh, up front, probably four lines deep um, for the Russian uh, team in their forward group. Um, Their defense uh, has, again, Alexiev. Uh, who the Washington Capitals drafted in the first round. I believe he was at the end of the first round. Uh, Romanov, who the Canadians took early in the second round, uh, and is another player who's playing um, minutes for uh, Siska in the uh, KHL. Uh, Again, rare to see teenage defensemen take on minutes in the KHL, especially on a team like uh, Siska, who is probably... you know, right there with, with Scott St. Petersburg as the, the two richest clubs in the league and, and the two deepest clubs uh, in the KHL. And then you've got, uh, so they're going to have a strong group on, on defense. The big question that the Russian team will have is do they have any kind of goaltending behind that? That's, that's definitely a fair point. I was looking at their goalies and I honestly haven't even heard of either of them. Um, Columbus has got the rights of Daniel Tarasov and then... Koshnikov is uh, looks like he's undrafted, so that'll definitely be interesting. This Russian team definitely looks like they can score their way out of problems, which yeah. uh, Russian teams usually can. <laughs> I feel like anytime you play the Russians, you can expect a six-five or a five-four type game, and you can never really be uh, too safe with them because, as we've seen in years past, they know how to storm back and make a comeback. They, they definitely have the offensive firepower to play with anyone in this tournament. Yeah, that I agree. I love Kratzov. Yeah, and uh, Clint Austin, I'm excited to watch as well. He's definitely a guy to keep your eyes on. So let's go to the top two then. Who do you have, Canada Canada or the States as two? I have the States as two, and it might be a little bit of a homer pick. There's not a lot separating these two teams. The States, uh, it, I've got Canada ahead on the, on the blue line is the, the big area. Uh, where I put uh, Canada ahead of the States. But the, the States have the forward group to run four strong lines. Um, Jack Hughes, be rare to see, like we said, with, with underage players, but he is 
uh, already 18. Uh, he was a few days, uh, or sorry, he's not 18 yet. He's he's 17. I'm thinking of his brother who was the late birthday uh, Quinn. Uh, but it, he was playing on the under-18 squad last year and put up a, a season that challenged uh, for one of the best seasons in under-18 history. It is almost at two points per game uh, on the under-18 squad this year for the, the National Team Development Program. So I think he can handle the role of being his per, uh, the first-line center. Uh, then they have you know his wingers, who were both uh, lottery picks last year. And uh, Wallstrom and Farabee are on this team. It'll be interesting to see if they reunite that line or if they give Hughes um, a, a more experienced winger. Uh, then you have down the middle, you have Ryan Paling, who's in his third year of college hockey, uh, went, to, went to college uh, a year early and is a returning player. He will likely play uh, all the big defensive minutes for the United States as well as be relied on for second-line offense. Josh Norris up the middle on the third line will also take on uh, some tough penalty kill minutes and, and be responsible uh, for that as, as well as putting in some goals. And then you've got guys like uh, Evan Barrett and, and Jay O'Brien uh, who are doing well uh, in the college system. On the blue line, Quinn Hughes is as dynamic as they come. Outstanding skater. I had him as number three going into the draft. Um undersized and I think that's why he didn't quite go as high uh, as I had him I think there's still even though there were more uh, defensemen drafted who were undersized than ever before I think it was still an issue when you got into that really really top part of the draft uh, and so he fell to the Canucks the Canucks were very pleased uh, to get him there uh, he's over a point per game for Michigan this year and he should be leading their blue line um, also, players like uh, Anderson, uh, who went to the national championship last year and was drafted by the Kings, and Dylan Sandberg, uh, who's a Jets prospect and has that national championship pedigree for Minnesota Duluth. And then you've got Keandre Miller uh, of the New York Rangers back there as well. Um, in goal, it, there's been a bit of a, a fight uh, in there, and I think the, once the U.S. camp gets together, it'll be interesting to see. But I think the favorite going in is uh, Caden Primo, who was a seventh-round pick of Montreal, uh, but absolutely had a monster freshman season last year uh, and has been very good again this season. Yeah, Primo's uh, definitely one that I figured who would uh, probably take the net. And I, again, I guess if we're going players to watch, Jack Hughes, obviously. obviously. Uh, Quinn we, Hughes, though. Yeah, Quinn Hughes is another one. and. I find it interesting you had him third. I was definitely higher. I don't know if I would have said third, but that's it's always cool to hear kind of stuff like that. And I feel like the, the reasons that he dropped, even, you know, sometimes when you hear guys like Quinn Hughes drop, it's size or it's, uh, can he play great defensively? His skill set, I think, fits this tournament perfectly yeah. in, in the fact that it's a very offensive-minded tournament and it's going to be a big skating and, and he can handle that, I think. Yeah, again, he's a player I expect once the playoff rounds come to be playing uh, half the game. Um, it can be dynamic on the power play, him and his brother. It will be uh, intriguing to see them play together. We haven't really seen him and his brother uh, on the same team at the bit, at a big stage uh, at this point. So I, I wonder what, uh, what they can do together 
uh, on the power play, and I'm excited to, to watch that. Yeah, for sure. And then I guess uh, just for the Stens fans that are listening here, I should <laughs> shout cool. out that uh, Josh Norris, uh, if you want to keep an eye on a Sens prospect who came back in the Carlson trade, uh, he's the one to watch for the States. Uh, and then, yeah, just looking at this, uh, the lineup, like, it's interesting. I don't know. I, when they first announced it, I didn't think the depth was that great. Looking into it more, I definitely was wrong on my first yeah, me too. look. But I, I think guys like uh, Oliver Oliver Wallstrom should be fun to watch as well, see what he can show. Andre uh, Miller's a big one for me. Yeah. And, and just, you know, some of those guys to watch and see what they can do on a team like this that will be expected to compete. Yeah, they... they... The U.S. team should be strong. They're, they've been strong almost every year. Uh, they're doing some great things with their U.S. national team development program, and that's really been a strength uh, for them in, in building these world junior and under-18 rosters. Seem to, uh, one, they didn't last year, but they uh, are almost always in the gold medal game in the under-18 tournament, and last year they came up with the silver their development program has to be, I think, the envy of, of almost any other country right now. Yeah, for sure. I think it just you look at all the top picks that have yes. come through lately and, you, you know, guys like Matthews and everyone, and there's just a lot of them are uh, American-born players more than I think we've seen in the past little while. Uh, you got, I think, Besser's American as well, and uh, who's in, is Goudreau, yeah, Eichel, Eichel, Goudreau. So, like, there's a bunch of top players in the NHL that are uh, American, and it's good to see if you, for, for hockey, um, as, you know, Canadians, maybe not, it's not as much fun to see, but uh, it, it's good to, you know, you want other countries to get better, and you want the lower countries to get better as well, and just everyone growing the game is really what it's about. And, uh, and, absolutely, and you know what, the best Canadian moments... Uh, have never been pounding a team seven to one. No, uh, they have always been, you know, Sidney Crosby scoring in overtime uh, in Vancouver. They were Mario Lemieux scoring in the last minute. It was Paul Henderson scoring uh, at the end of, of the Summit Series. Uh, the best Canadian victories that are are when you face uh, that level of competition, and sometimes you lose. Uh, like the the girls lost in in the shootout at the Olympics. And uh, like our, our junior teams have lost lost in the shootout a couple years ago, uh, lost in overtime on a on a John Carlson goal. Um, but those that's what makes for a rivalry, and that's what makes for exciting hockey. Yeah, definitely. I think when you when you say, do you remember which games from the past two Olympics that NHL players have been to? Do you remember of Canada versus U.S.? Obviously, everyone's going to say the gold medal game, not the game where Canada won one nothing, but they let up about 14 shots all game because they just dominated them possession-wise. So, I, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Um, it, it should be an exciting team to watch, and, and it's good for the game to see them get better and, and for the national stage. We'll go to number one here then, uh, the, the Canadian team, and a bunch of our listeners are Canadian, so we will probably take our time doing a bit of a deep dive on this. Um, I guess just who do you, who do you see being uh, difference makers on this Canadian team on the forwards, the top six, and on the defense core as well? I think you've got to start with the, the returning captain, and that's Maxime Contois. Uh, he's played for the Ducks this year, get, got loans down to the team. We've seen players who, who start the season uh, in the NHL and, and come back uh, for this tournament uh, traditionally have a lot of success in this tournament. 
and so you've got to start right there. Then you've got to look at uh, at who his center will be likely, uh, how they've been lining up uh, in, in pre-tournament has been with Cody Glass uh, and Owen Tippett uh, on the other side. So you've got a pair of top 10 picks uh, on that line, uh, and, and that should be uh, Canada's number one trio going into the tournament. But this is a deep team. Um, you have Morgan Frost and, and Barrett Hayton who play together at times and are sometimes are the number one and number two center with the, the Sioux Greyhounds. I think they're expected uh, to play together uh, in this tournament and, and their familiarity from the times they do play together in the Sioux um, last year uh, uh, more than, than this year, but although they do play on the power play together, um, should, should be a, a strong unit. Uh, and Nick Suzuki is having a, an excellent season. Uh, with Owen Sound, and, and it looks like he'll get um, some big offensive uh, minutes and, and production as well. But th- this team's so deep. With, I mean, Joe Valeno's uh, exploded, and, and even Ty Del- Delandra, like he, he's been great. Yeah. Like he's he's on a uh, a horrible, horrible. Yeah, I say great for his team. I should say, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just it is when you when you look at the list, and I mean. Again, we've mentioned how we're not huge prospect guys, but, like, there's just so many noticeable names on it. Owen Tippett, like, is sometimes an afterthought, and I feel like he, people he's a forget. overall pick. Yeah, like, he's top ten pick. Um, what are your thoughts Brent, on Lafreniere? He's putting up a goal per game in for Prince he's Albert right now. Yeah, he's um, undrafted. Has right? gone yeah, through two drafts undrafted, but could likely be a first-round pick this year the way he's playing. Yeah, um... I don't know if you heard Chase's question. I was going to ask, uh, where do you see uh, Alexis Lafreniere fitting into this roster, and what's your just overall opinion on him? Well, he's going to be the 13th forward, um, but I think he's outstanding. I think he's far and away the number one pick in the, in the 2020 draft. And we have to look at the, the history of players who are Two years removed from being drafted. It's not like he, he's just underage, dra- you know, in his draft year. He's a year before his draft year. And the types of players who have made Team Canada in that situation are names like Connor McDavid, yep. John Tavares, uh, Sidney Crosby. That's the, that's the level of player who uh, makes Team Canada as, as a double underage. Uh, player and even guys like Crosby and Tavares uh, were 13th forwards on their teams uh, so that says something right there and uh, a guy like uh, no no Crosby ended up he didn't finish the tournament as the 13th forward but he started it there but that's the level of player that we're talking about in, in Lafreniere he's probably the best player to come out of Quebec uh, since Vincent LeCavalier, uh, if not uh, earlier than that. So it just uh, a, an outstanding uh, young prospect there. Uh, you saw him, as an underage player, uh, just dominate at uh, the Holinka Gretzky this year. Uh, and that's playing a year uh, behind uh, all of the other players in that tournament. He'd be eligible to play in it again next year. So... Lafreniere, to me, is he's an outstanding prospect, but it comes down to the age in, in terms of how much responsibility uh, he can be given at this point in his career. Yeah, I definitely uh, agree with that, and I think uh, you'll you'll probably see him play at times uh, when the lead's a little bigger. You know, he, he definitely won't be out there for any defensive efforts or, 
you know, when it's five, even five on five, when the game's close, I doubt you'll see him jump over the boards too much. Um, but you know, he, he's a guy who 54 points in 31 games in the OHL right now. And again, his draft year is not even this year. It's in two years, as you said, I feel like he could be a guy you might see on a second power play or, or something like that, or, you know, a sixth forward when they, if they need a goal and that's okay. Like that's, that's fine. It's good experience for him to get going because we'll see, well, you will definitely be seeing him on this team next year again and probably in a much bigger role. Yes, uh, I think he will have a huge role on, on next year's team, and, it, and it's good for the experience for him. I think he'll only get two kicks at the can uh, in this tournament. Yeah. I can't see him coming back uh, after that. Unless there's uh, a lock. likely be the first overall pick. <laughs> I would say, Chase just said, unless there's a lockout, and I would tend to agree with that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the lockout situation let's switch to the defense then for canada i mean again you just look down this list and you got guys like uh evan bouchard pierre oliver joseph uh you know it looks like it could be a solid defense court noah dobson is another one um you know last year we saw uh thomas shabbat log about 25 minutes a night or two years ago i should say 25 minutes a night do you think there'll be a guy that they rely on just real heavy uh, or do you think it's going to be more of a by-committee thing with this defense? How do you think it's going to look? I, I think three players on this defense are going to get huge minutes. Um, that's going to be uh, Evan Bouchard and Noah Dobson on the right side of the defense. Um, Evan Bouchard obviously started the year with the Edmonton Oilers. He's got an absolute bomb of a slap shot. Um, we're going to see, uh, I think, a big tournament from him. Even though he was drafted last year, um, this is his only chance at the World Juniors. Uh, Next year, he'll be too old because of his late birthday. Um, So he he is a fourth-year junior player uh, at this point. And I think beside him, what we've seen uh, so far has been Josh Brook, who's a right-handed defenseman um, who's been playing on the left side. And he comes from – he's a Montreal draft pick again. He comes from the Moose Jaw Warriors, and that's Tim Hunter, who is the head coach of Team Canada. He's the head coach of the Warriors in the WHL. He's used Josh Brook everywhere this year, um, except for goalie. Uh, (laughs) He put him up front at times when Moose Jaw is down by a goal late in the third period. With about 10 minutes left, you'll often see Josh Brook move up to the forward lines uh, in that situation. Uh, and uh, but if they're leading by a goal, uh, the, he, he has him back on the blue line, and he's put a lot of responsibility on him here. Uh, a guy who typically plays right defense, um, and, and moving over to the left side and being on the top pair uh, with Evan Bouchard here. It, it's interesting. You don't see it a lot because right defensemen are more rare than left defensemen. Um, it's rare that, that Canada has a has a glut this year. Uh, of talented right defensemen instead of lefties. But it's we do see defensemen play their wrong side at times in the NHL and, and in other leagues, but it's usually a left-handed defenseman moving to the right. It's not as often that you see the right-sided uh, defenseman move to the left. And, and I think that that's just something that happens uh, on teams at all levels because we have more lefties. Um, they get used to playing on the right side coming up through hockey, and you don't see a lot of righties get used to playing on the left. So that's something for me to watch. Uh, and then our third one is, is Noah Dobson, who was a top 10 pick of the Islanders, uh, can do it all, uh, was a memorial, was the best defenseman on a Memorial Cup winning team last year, 
and I think he's going to, to get big minutes as well. Uh, and then you look at, uh, at maybe an older defenseman like an Ian Mitchell, um, who's, who's a couple years removed from being drafted, uh, getting some, some good minutes as, there as well. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think, you know, again, like as I said, you just look down the names uh, on this team, and I, I don't think it's it's really a wonder why you have this team first. I mean, I would as well, and again, maybe that's a homer pick, but uh, you just look at and every position, and I mean, we'll get to goalies in a second because I want to ask you who you're going with, but forwards and defensemen, it's just like you can roll almost anyone out there. You know, I feel like any pair, any line, and you'll feel at least somewhat comfortable with yeah. them on the ice against whoever they play against. So, you know, that's always nice to have in a tournament like this, and it it doesn't mean automatic success because, as you said, the states are good, and, you know, sometimes one line can just overpower you, but it's it's good to see, and it should be reassuring to Team Canada fans for this. Yeah, I think if the, the strategy should be at least uh, among the forwards. You could even do it on the defense if you wanted to roll three three pairs um, through. But up front, just roll the four lines and play a heavy speed skating game and wear teams out where they will not be able to keep up with you. Uh, if they want to put one line on the ice for, for half the game, uh, you're going to, to run that line into the ground by just skating them for... Uh, the full game, the full sixty minutes, and they won't be able to to handle uh, the way Canada can skate uh, for and roll four lines and always have fresh skaters over the board. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, Chase, do you have anything to say? No, no, just the fact that Smith and Dobson is going to be Canada's second pair is nuts. Yeah. From there, we'll go to the goaltending. Who, who, if you are Team Canada's, I think obviously they'll split in the uh, round robin, but. Which goalie do you think should be the uh, starter when it comes to the the medal rounds and whatever for Team Canada? Michael DiPietro or Ian Scott? I I think it will be DiPietro. That said, it's razor thin at this point. Um, I think you're you're correct, and you say split the the opening four games. Uh, give it's a them classic. Uh, yeah. a, a, you know two games each. Uh, one will play the Russians. One will play the Czechs. And, uh, and split your, your Switzerland-Denmark uh, games as well. And just go with, with whoever's played better in, in their two games uh, at that point. Uh, because I, I don't think that there's a lot uh, of difference uh, between the two. Uh, Di Pietro has the better pedigree yep. uh, in terms of draft and, and those type of things. But you can't ignore what Ian Scott is doing in the WHL this year. Uh, that Prince... Uh, that, the Prince Albert team has been uh, the best team in, in the CHL, not just the WHL. And Ian Scott uh, has been a huge part of that and, and has been the best goalie in the, in the Western Hockey League uh, by quite a bit uh, in my books. So I think he, he's got to get the opportunity as well to, to play and, and just use who who's going better for you at that point in time. I, I I think it's hard to make a wrong choice uh, with these two goaltenders. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And, uh, yeah, I was going to say it, it's kind of pedigree, as you said, with Di Pietro. I feel like he's been better and just more known for longer. And, but at the same time, like, you, you can't turn a blind eye to what Ian Scott has done this year. And especially in a short tournament tournament like this, you just got to ride the hot hand sometimes. Yeah. Even if you think Di Pietro might be the better one long term, he might not be your best option right now. And you'll just kind of have to live with that, right? Like, as you... Oh, pardon? Exactly. I mean, we. this is a tournament where in 2006, 
Uh, Canada picked uh, Justin Pogge to be their starting goaltender and left Carey Price at home. Yeah. And no one is saying that that, that was a mistake. Is I think Pogge was the MVP of that tournament. Uh, so you just ride who's hot going in. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are the best prospect or will have the best NHL career. Uh, but in, in a seven-game you know, seven, seven game tournament, you've got to ride uh, the hottest goalie uh, at that point in, in time. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. I, I definitely agree with you. And uh, I can't remember, who was it two years ago? It was Carter Hart and Connor Ingram, right? Yeah, it was those two, and they split time as well. It was kind of the same thing there where it was like, you know, it really could have been either one of them, and then they split games, and at the end they went with Hart in the gold medal game, and he was fine. Like, he was good, but they lost in the shootout. But, yeah, you really just got to roll with whoever you think is going to get you the better chance in a short tournament if – one of them struggles against the, you know, the, in their good game or even in their poor game, and you think it, it might be a cause for concern, go for the other one because they're both, at the end of the day, they're both very talented goaltenders. And, you know, picking one or the other probably won't be uh, completely detrimental to what Team Canada ends up doing in this tournament. Yeah, exactly. It's, I, I think it, as long as they're not, they're on their game, they're going to be uh, good enough to, to for Canada to contend, and then it's a matter of, of breaks and bounces, right, in a one-game elimination. Exactly, and that's how it usually is. And, you know, I think the most important thing watching this tournament is just to enjoy the pure silliness of the tournament, I think is the best way to put it. Uh, one of my favorite reasons for this tournament is because there's just... Uh, you, you can watch any two teams play, and it'll be a pretty exciting game. Uh, I know we went to watch Latvia and Denmark play live two years ago to see who would avoid going to the relegation round, and... It was just like, there wasn't much talent on either roster, but it was just an exciting game of hockey. And I think the lack of defense obviously helps that, but just to, you know, any any game you can really sit down and watch, and it'll probably be pretty entertaining. So Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you look at junior hockey, um, the defense is not as polished as in the NHL, and that's what, uh, what makes these games exciting, because you have uh, high-octane high offensive units, and these are players who, throughout their career, they're still young, they're still developing. Uh, defense is usually the last thing you learn, because as a young hockey player, uh, if you're talented enough to make these World Junior squads to be an NHL prospect, uh, when you were growing up, you probably had the puck on your stick for most of your shifts and didn't have to play a lot of defense. And so now's the time that they're just learning to, to play defense against uh, other elite players. And it will certainly come, but it makes for an exciting tournament uh, at this stage because they're not there yet. Yeah, that's definitely a great way to put it. I couldn't say any better myself. Chase, you got anything else? Not really. No, um, I think we're probably good here then. Uh, ben, plug some stuff. Where can people find you on social media and your writing? Uh, on social media, you'll find me at last word B Kerr, K-E-R-R, and that's the letter B, all one, uh, all one word. And of course, you can find me at Last Word on Hockey. I have a series of player to watch articles uh, coming out on Saturday and Sunday morning, depending on, on when you're listening to this uh, podcast uh, it, ahead of the tournament. And I will be providing coverage as well uh, throughout the tournament, uh, maybe not game by game, uh, but certainly uh, as things, as storylines take effect. Um, I will be putting out some some articles as well, but uh, we'll have plenty of coverage of the World Juniors on the site as well as our regular NHL content. For sure, yeah. Um, 
thanks so much, Ben, for joining. It was a blast. And uh, I think I speak for me and Chase when I say we're super excited for this tournament. It's one of our favorite times of the year, as it is with many other people, I'm, uh, I'm sure. So, uh, yeah, thank you for taking time out of your night to come join us and uh, give us and our listeners some more prospect info. Perfect, perfect. I just hope all our listeners out there, um, before the, the tournament gets going and through the tournament, have a, a good holiday season with their family and friends. For sure. Thank you for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you guys for having me. A uh, huge thanks to Ben Kerr from Last Word on Hockey for joining us and uh, really helping Chase and I out uh, with the podcast this week. Uh, I think we've stated multiple times that we're not huge prospect people uh, on this podcast, but it was good having someone who who really knows what he's talking about. Uh, I don't just say that because he's my boss, but uh, he before I joined Last Word on Hockey, I, I did know that they were a, a bigger prospect place, and he's a huge reason for that, so... Uh, yeah, huge thanks to him. That is quotes of the draft, right? Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, they've had some of his, uh, you know, and even bigger guys like have, have uh, wrote, uh, used his reports and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I just can't thank him enough for coming on. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed. If there's any anyone else you want to hear about any topic, I mean, Chase and I are pretty open to having guests on podcasts. So. Um, did you see the Pierre Maguire quote? Yeah, I did. We see could the... talk to him about analytics. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's something to get into next week. We'll probably uh, we'll probably have one more uh, next week, and we'll probably do one uh, after Christmas sometime. Yeah, keep rolling. Have a nice holiday special or something like that. Maybe we'll you know with the hockey slowing down, maybe we'll do something different. But uh, yeah, uh, thanks guys for listening. Uh, we'll be back probably next week. Uh, you can follow Chase on Twitter at cmhockey66. Me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff. Uh, find my writing at lastwordonhockey.com. I've had lots of articles out this week because I've been off from exams, so I've had three or four things out. Uh, Chase, you working on anything? I'll probably get... I said on this podcast a good like two and a half months ago that I have my new stat written up in a month. <laughs> probably actually have it done at some point before Christmas break, so... Yeah. So, um, yeah, keep tuned for that. Follow us on Twitter. Um, other than that, you, you know, uh, like the podcast, share the podcast if you enjoy it. That helps us out a ton. Uh you know, and thanks for listening. Uh, it, yeah. That's all I can say, really. Agreed. See you guys next week.